0: Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old-Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old-time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit ComicWeb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of The Secrets of Scotland Yard called The Black Market Murder.
1: Book. And what a strange paradox it is, isn't it, Bertie? that while the terrible fact of war itself invariably brings out the best in men, the blessing of the peace that follows it so often reveals the worst. It is a paradox, Clive, and a tragic one. And I don't suppose that any war in history is left behind such a scum of crime, big and little as the last one. And London was perhaps of all cities the most affected. Into London during the war years there poured men of all nations. But unfortunately, not all of these were men of goodwill. Hundreds of thousands returned to their homes, but some remained. And our story confirms a small group of these. It is set in the London of 1945. A London still dazed by the fact of peace. A London relieved from the threat of bombing, but beset with shortages. A London which was giving asylum to many strange gentry, who were thriving and growing fat on an increasing black market. Strange snatches of dialogue could be heard in the back streets of Soho, in the shady cafes and night dives, where hundreds of deserters from all nations mixed in with the existing criminal population of the great city. Anybody here, On a table in the back room. All right, sir. You with him, soldier? Yes, I'm with him. Go ahead, then. Say, what is this? Who's this Polish guy? Is on the level? Go on in, soldier. I mind my business, and you three are for yours. Cameras is all very well. The watches is all very well. Occupation marks is all very well.
2: And pistols is all very well. Now, soldier, what else you can get, huh?
1: Yeah, so what kind of a racket is this? I just brought across
2: these couple of cameras. The German guy traded them in for four packets of fags. I ain't got nothing else. Now, listen, soldier. Cameras is for little people, eh? Huh? 30 pounds. 35 pounds. <laughs> finish. What about, uh, what about jewels, huh?
1: There's plenty jewels where you're coming from, yes. Plenty jewels where you go back to. Yes, here
2: you he Black's trying to make a crook out of me. I tell you, I got the cameras straight, see? Now, listen, soldier. You help us, we help you. You are stationed near Hamburg. Good. Now, you go and see this man's. Here is the address. Take the packet to give you. And the first friend of yours who is for coming to London for leave, he brings us the packet. no? I don't like it. But you will like the 50 pounds, 200 dollars, Swiss francs, whatever you are wanting.
1: Your friend comes back to you, no? Who are you blokes, anyway? I am Henrik. He is Marion. That is enough for you. Henrik. Marion. Deserters from the Polish army. Men on the run. Men without identity cards, ration books, passports. Men now without a country. Men who could move about only by night. Members of the shadow army that manipulated London's black market. Men who carried no papers, but who carried... (laughs) Yes, quite so. The gunfire of war was over, but other guns spat in the London nights. And as dawn broke over London River one October morning in 1945, two policemen were patrolling Lambeth Bridge when Well, I'll be. What's up? What are you looking at, Tom? You look through there. Here, in the pump house down there. Can't see very well through this little hole. It's a man. Dead by the look of it, what's more? It's a man, all right. How the devil, they get him in there. The hole's not more than a foot wide. Mm. door's locked. Listen, you get along to the fire service people and get the key, and I'll stay here. It was a dead man, a murdered man, a man who was soon identified as taxi driver Frank Everett. His cab was found abandoned in Notting Hill Gate, three and a half miles away from the body, which had been thrust into the tiny brick edifice in the middle of the busy bridge. Who had done this deed? Why? Clearly shot in the back of the neck, Inspector. Probably as he sat at the driving wheel. Death almost instantaneous. Probably took place at about two this morning. Anything known about the fool? Seems to have been a good chap. Ex-guardsman, been a policeman. Known to his pals as the Duke. Motive, I'd say robbery. Anything to go on? The bullet, .32 caliber, and this. What is it? cap or something? We found it on the floor of the cab, on the top of a propelling pencil. Find the other half of that, and you've got your man. Come, come, Doc, not so fast. Plenty of people use cabs. There's no reason to assume that this belonged to the last person to use this one. And it'd be hard enough to find him, even if it were so. No, Doctor, not a lot to go on. This was the kind of thing that was causing Scotland Yard his biggest headache ever. A resident native criminal population is one thing, but a floating reinforcement of unknown aliens is quite another. Who had killed taxi driver Everett? Might be, well, anyone. It itself a mess of fingerprints, naturally enough. None of them on our records. Everett seemed to have no particular enemies. Seems a straightforward shoot and snatch. And for what? Hey, Inspector? Just a few pounds. As much as the poor chap could have had at the end of his day's work. Murder. For just a little cash in hand. And It makes you think. Well, there's not much more we can do here, Doc. We'd better get back to the yard.
3: Black market, when all about it. Black market when
2: Pick up the van corner of George and Melville Street, Lou, and take the stuff right over to Jones' place. Whiskey mostly, but a hundred cases of gin as well.
1: Now listen, Tom. There's a chap I know can fix everything for you. You want the dollars? He's got of course they'll cost you double the odds. But the point is they're there.
2: Watches, Mr. Mason?
1: Then of course you shall have watches. They're good ones, Swiss ones. me yeah, here Friday, same time, I'll have them. Oh, and by the way, bring cash. You understand. Checks? We don't want them. But sometimes, and it's the oldest inevitability of the underworld, thieves fall out. In the small hours of the morning, not a fortnight after taxi driver Everett had been found, huddled in the Lambeth Bridge pumping house, a policeman patrolling the Notting Hill Gate area of London noticed a small saloon car standing rather out from the curb. Hmm. Real place to leave a car. Excuse me, sir. 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 Come on there now. Wake up. Wake up. Blood? He's uh, Chief Inspector Somerset speaking. Who? Oh, yes, Sergeant. Good morning to you. But get who you have. We'll be right down. And you're right, Sergeant. This certainly is a job for the murder squad. Goodbye. Uh, Sergeant. Sir, now ask Inspector Byrne to step this way, will you? And get me to the home office on the telephone. I want to speak to Dr. Clare. Very good, sir. Right away, sir. Funny. Notting Hill Gate, again. The home office, Somerset speaking. Oh, is that you, doctor? Uh, can I pick you up in a quarter of an hour's time? A fellow found shot in a car. Yes. Notting Hill Gate area. Right, we'll call for you. Goodbye. Down at the scene of the crime, Detective Inspector Somerset, Dr. Donald Keir, Home Office pathologist, and members of the murder squad got busy. The doctor gave his verdict briefly. Shot to the back of the neck, Inspector. Bullet just missed a vital brain sensor, so it probably took quite a while to die poor devil. What have you got there? The bullet, Doctor. Thirty-two caliber, embedded in the roof of the car. Clearly a shot in the front seat, then dumped in the back. Pockets have been rifled, so it looks like robbery. A chap who did it's been good enough to leave his fingerprints and blood on the windscreen. Oh, yes, Sergeant, what is it? We checked the car number, sir, and found that it belongs to a foreigner, sir. Marty Rizzov's the name. Ruben Marty Rizzov. Well, I'll be hanged. So that's who it is. Russian Robert himself. Who's oh, he, Inspector? A nasty piece of work, Doctor. There's not a country in Europe that hasn't chucked him out. And he's been operating here since just before the war. Stolen jewelry, gaming houses, currency deals. There's good riddance, sir. It is damn good riddance. But unfortunately, it's something else, too. What's that? Murder. Inspector Byrne speaking. Byrne, good. I want you to stand by for a big roundup starting tonight. I'll want every available man and woman on the job. Right. What's the object? Russian Robert's been shot. The devil he has. And I say it was one of his pals, or maybe more. We've got to find him. Right. When do I expect you? After lunch. I've just got one inquiry to make. Then we'll get going. Good back now. Goodbye. Yes? Uh, this is Mr. Marty Rosser's flat.
3: Well, what about it? he out. I don't know when he'll be back.
1: He won't be back, madam. He's
3: dead. I don't know, I don't know he went. I don't know who was going to him. I tell you, don't know.
1: Try and think again, madam. You told me. He was here during the evening.
3: Yes, that's right. Just well I've thought of here. Not doing anything special. Then we was getting ready to go to bed when the phone rings.
1: Well, go on. What time was that?
3: be about 11 o'clock. He didn't say much into the phone, just yes and no and things like that. Then he ends up the receiver and comes in with his hat on.
1: It seemed in a hurry, eh?
3: Well, yes, he did. He just said, so long, and went out.
1: Is that all he said? Come now, madam, I want the truth of this. Did he say where he was going? Well,
3: well, when well, he... Well, yes, yes, he did. He just said, I, I've got to meet some people down by the Edgware Road Underground Station. That's
1: all. And you wouldn't know who.
3: No. Oh, I wasn't friends, I suppose.
1: Which friends?
3: I tell you, I don't know. He he has a lot of friends. He he has a lot of queer friends.
1: Madam, you're right, he has. Good (laughs) day, dear. KGO An international criminal, chief of a thriving London black market gang, is dead in his car, shot through the neck. And all the resources of Scotland Yard are mobilized for one of the most all-embracing underworld probes ever conducted. Dozens of detectives, men and women, took on strange roles, posing as currency evaders, speculators in black market liquor, indeed as every type of stooge upon which Russian Robert and his colleagues flourished. They descended upon the night spots, shady hotels, and drinking clubs. Chief Inspector Somerset himself played a leading role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what about another? Mm-hmm. eh? the real Mackay, this. Yes, sir, he's never sure. Oh, same again, then? To uh, the special spot, please, Harry. You go, so you, um, you can't please yes, can help me. It's not easy, pal. It's not easy. Dollars, they're tight, pal. Tighter than they've ever been. That's our, uh, well, our mutual friend told me that... Well, cheers. You're good mm-hmm. Yes, he might have told you. And a week ago, he'd have been right. I could have got him. But, uh, now look. I'll tell you something. You think about that fellow that got choked the other day? Plugged in his car? Oh, yes, There's He was um, a pole, wasn't he? Or Russian or something? Real name was Marty Rossoff. Russian Robert, they called him. Well, that's where the dollars would have come from. A week ago. See? Oh, uh, just my luck. But surely, hadn't he a, a pan or something? He plenty. Look, I'll tell you something. And maybe it'll help you. Trouble is, I don't know him myself. Not like I knew Robert. I'd be very grateful. Very? Two more scotches There's a fellow dressed up as a Polish naval officer who was in on dollars with Robert. There's him, and there's another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on, this may mean a lot to me. This other fellow's a Pole, too. But he's a silly. I met him with Robert once. Name of uh, Marion. What? Do you mean that's his, that's his surname? That's all we ever called him. Marion. Just Marion. But well, where can I find these fellas? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's where you've got me, pal. Might be here. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen him since Robert got But so I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll try and find out. See? Oh, thanks. thanks. Well, uh, I'm looking again in a day or two. Uh, you always here? Over to this time. This much the man from Scotland Yard learned. And then, this. Please go on, madam. You're being most helpful. Well, oh, Inspector, if I lay my hands on them. Yes, yes, I'm sure. I want you to help us do just that.
3: Well, what happened was this. A man friend and I were in the Pelican Club about three weeks ago, it was. And there were these three at the bar. One was a naval officer, the other just quite an ordinary looking fellow, though he spoke with an accent, and a girl. We got into conversation with them. <laughs> Oh, no, no, please. You smoke all of mine. I don't know if I should.
1: Oh, oh thank you. Will you, madame? You go on this. When my friend is becoming generous, is the time to strike. <laughs> look out, he might offer you a drink yet. Uh, and it is his turn, Henry.
3: Oh, look, let me give you a light. If it works. A woman with a light and works. Oh, what wonder. I'm afraid mine never works. Oh, what a beautiful bag. It is rather a pet, isn't it? Intensely filled with it. May I look? All oh, this lovely, isn't it, King? It no, certainly is. I haven't seen anything like that since before the war. Mm. American, I suppose. Mm. No guess again. Paris, then? No, not Paris either. Mm. It certainly didn't come from this country. But shall I tell her, Marion? I shall be flattered, my dear. The genius who made me this bag isn't a yard away.
1: Hey, Scott! You don't mean to uh, mean to tell me you made it, though?
3: Please, I confess. Yes, I made it. I'm glad you approve. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I suppose.
1: Now then, Linda. Now then. Oh, but,
3: darling, it's so lovely.
2: Could you? Well, I, I do make them, madam, but I am very busy. Show me orders.
3: But no, there's the, Mrs. Foskie. You've you just finished. Remember, she cancelled the order, and it's exactly like mine. Oh, yes, that is true. That is true, yes.
1: Well, might as well be hanged for a sheep as a lamb. Oh,
3: can you, darling?
1: Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, could you let me have uh, yeah. the bag? And as a matter of interest... I, I am afraid they're not cheap, sir. Well, I scarcely expect that they be.
2: The price of the bag is 45 pounds, sir. I would not ask you to pay that now, naturally. But uh, if perhaps you give me a deposit, i will complete the bag, say, in two days, and mail it to Madame. Then uh, you can pay me the balance if you are satisfied.
1: Mm, seems fair
2: enough. Good. Shall we say 25 pounds down, then? And the balance on Thursday, when Madame receive the bag? It's an awful lot, darling. No,
1: nonsense. Our bag's a to winner today. Right, you are, then. I'm most grateful to her. Oh,
2: not at all. Then if I could have Madame's address, I will see that she has the bag. <laughs>
3: That was the last we heard, Inspector, except I was angry, Inspector, so angry that I went almost mad. I went back to the Pelican and I bulleted a dress out of the barman. I, I went there, Lansdowne Road, made a veil. Go on, what happened? I, I can't tell you, I, I want to forget it, it was horrible, horrible. There, there was a the Spaniard who made the bags. They're not men, Inspector, they're monsters, beasts. I, I ran, and here I am. Well,
1: perhaps you come with me in a police car and point out the
3: house. Yes, yes, of course, Inspector.
1: Uh, but the house, a six-floor boarding establishment, was completely empty. The birds had flown. Chief Inspector Somerset was relentless. I want a dozen of our women down, and this is what I want them to do. Each takes an area. Each poses as a victim of this damned handbag trick, looking for the tricksters. We may get somewhere in that way. A hint is nothing more. Woman detective Shirley Jennings, probing the Maida Vale area, got more than a hint. There's too much of that sort of thing going on, to long chalk.
3: Then you, uh, you do
1: know something. I so I do, and I won't so I don't, but if I was you, I'd ask again three doors up. It was Chief Inspector Somerset, with his murder squad posted at all approaches to the house, who called three doors up.
3: Well, I'm sorry, I'm sure, sir, but that's all the rooms I've got vacant just at the moment. Oh,
1: Betty, I do like to be on another floor. Is there no chance of a vacancy upstairs? Oh, I
3: don't know, sir. Gents come and gents go. Spanish gentleman in the third floor front. or well, he hasn't been here long. He might go, or he might not.
1: Spanish gentleman, eh? Well, I wonder. Uh, could I see the room?
3: Yeah, that I'm afraid you can't, sir. He always locks up when he goes out.
1: Come
3: on. Come. Oh, my goodness me, sir. What's going on outside? What? Where? Well, then, two men, sir. What have, have got a of that naval gentleman?
1: It looks as though the police are arresting him.
3: Why, whatever can the matter be? Oh, my goodness, they put him in that car. Oh,
1: well, Oh, there you are, sir. So you've got him, eh? Hey, yeah. now, sir, this chap's a Polish deserter, but he's not our man. Oh, one Polish deserter is as likely as not to know the next. You, what's your name? Here, what do you know of a man called Marion? 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 <laughs> Why? I'm not going to meet this man, Marion. Yes, look, I am give this address and, and told he will be there this evening. Sergeant, take this man back to the yard and hold him there. You and I will go to meet Marion. And in a swallowed cafe in London's East India Dock Road, the men from Scotland Yard met the man called Marion. <laughs> uh, who you are? I not know you, any of you. This is wicked, wicked. You come along with us, my lad. You can do all your talking back at the yard. I protest. Yes, I've no doubt you do. Come on, get moving. Neat, a very neat pickup. And one which exceeded even Chief Inspector Somerset's highest expectations. For at Scotland Yard, when Marion Grudowski's possessions were laid out upon the table... And I suppose you have now got this, and this, and this. They were given by a friend. This cigarette lighter, Grudowski, and this watch, and this wallet belong to a man called Matyrosov. Russian Robert, I think you called him. And I suppose you never heard of Henrik Malinowski.
2: I uh, I have
1: heard of him. Well, I hope you'll soon have the pleasure of meeting him. Inside Matyrosov's wallet... Somerset found the name of Malinowski and an address in the North London suburb of Ilford. Malinowski was in civilian clothes, but the uniform of a Polish naval officer was discovered in overdrobe. In its pockets were a signet ring and other jewelry that had belonged to the murdered Russian Robert. These two charming Polish gentlemen, who had worked so long together, were not exactly loyal when it came to the showdown and they saw that it was... All right, don't ask him, my lad. All right, take your time. After we meet Robert, at night we go
2: to a cafe and discuss things to do, then we go to the car and uh, Malinowski, is always for wanting to shoot people and robbing them, Malinowski, he said to me, I am going to finish with him, he's in the car for to start it and I tell Malinowski not to be a fool, then he's starting the engine, I sit in front with Robert, then I hear a shot and I get like bells in my ears, I get out, Malinowski come after me and he say, come back or i shoot you. I went back with him and helped to put Robert in the back seat. He we went to Malinovskos' room and divided the money.
1: And that's all? Yes, that is all. Was that the truth, Or this? It was I who sat beside Robert. Marion is in the back. I hear a shot and Robert's head falls forward. Marion said, we must camouflage him and ask me to move Robert. I said, I could not do it. Marion pulled down the seat alongside Robert and dragged him into the back the car. When they counted the money, there was over 160 pounds. Marion gave me 80. Yes, a charming pair of gentlemen, neither of whose statements was enough to save him from the gallows a week or two later. Of course, there were certain matters of fact that made the guilt of at least one of them positive, as Percy huskins will tell you. In the first place, the, the windscreen of Russian Roberts' car were found to be those of Marion Grandofsky. In the second place, a .32 automatic pistol, picked up at his address proved to be the one that fired the fatal bullet. Oh, and there was another thing. Something else was found among Grandossi's effects. Uh, I thought, that uh, this might be of some interest to you. Ah, self-propelling pencil, eh? Aha, uh-huh. and minus a top. Sergeant, have you the exhibits in the taxi driver murder? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, this is the pencil top we found. A perfect fit. And look. The little fracture in the groove settles it. Well, sergeant, I think we can stop work on that case. Pretty, we can't hang the same scoundrel twice. We can hang two of them once, sir, and they've got a potential third out of our way. Yes, when thieves fall out. You know, I often wonder what makes men take such chances. These three wascals two had themselves done soldiers. The third, Russian Robert, was a crook through and through and always had been. There's an irony about the whole case, isn't it? Uh, yes, indeed, Clive. And perhaps the most significant thing of all is that it took the anger of a woman who had been cheated to round the matter off. And that brings us to the end of the black market murders or the case of
0: Russian Robert. <laughs> The Secrets of Scotland Yard was a successful English crime drama series initially airing between 1949 and 1951. Selected episodes finally came to the U.S. in 1957 on the mutual broadcasting system. The series boasted well over 100 episodes, one of which, The Bone from a Voice Box, served as a prototype for another well-remembered English series called The Black Museum. In both series, well-known actors were employed as host and narrator, Orson Welles in the Black Museum, and Clive Brooke in The Secrets of Scotland Yard. In fact, the shows were so similar that some of the same actual Scotland Yard cases were dramatized for both series, with totally different scripts and casts. Each week, radio listeners tuned in to hear the, these true crime stories of the London Metropolitan Police unfold as the detectives at the Yard investigated some of England's most famous criminals. Stories presented in the series include the theft of the British Crown Jewels, the story of a man who finds an armless and legless body wrapped in ribbons and lace, Jack the Ripper, and many more. To add to the air of authenticity, the host sometimes discusses matters with Percy Hoskins, a 1950s crime expert and reporter for the London Daily Express. A student of crime, Hoskins was one of the founders of the Saints and Sinners Club of London, an educational organization dedicated to true crime investigation methods and results. Brooke was eventually replaced by an actor portraying the character Superintendent X of Scotland Yard. Thanks and have a good week.